You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Curry, way downtown. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! You don't like that? You don't like NBA basketball! Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of All Nat, which is produced by On the Sidelines, OTS. I am your host, Natalie, but most people call me Nat, and today I am so excited to welcome this queen to the show. I have with me Aman. Adam. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she is a writer for basketballnews.com. She's also one of the co-hosts of one of the hottest femme-led podcasts out there, Dishes and Dimes, representing Toronto and the Raptors fan base. And she is a huge voice on NBA Twitter in general. Uh, she's just an amazing person. I love following her. I like reading her writing. She's one of the people I was just waiting to have on this show. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy her as much as I do. If you are not already following her, you need to do that. And I'm going to turn the mic over to her so she can introduce herself, let you know how to find her, where to get her work, but you want to be locked into Aman. She's great. You're back gonna go cry and then come back. Um, I don't. I don't know that I can introduce myself any better than that. That is my name. I do write for Basketball News. I am a co-host of Dishes and Dives. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to do this episode today. Oh, thank you, thank you. Where can they find you if they want to follow you? Oh, um, at underscore nope name. Um, at underscore nope name on Twitter and Iman. That's I double M X O on Instagram. Is there anything behind was, nope name? Um, yeah. So my, <laughs> my aunt name was, my aunt name was a uh, boo you whore for the longest time, okay. which is one of my favorite mean girl quotes. Um, I came up with it at like 16 and kept it, changed it, kept it, changed it, kept doing that. Um, and then, um, I got hired at a place that does social media checks and, Boo you whore was just not their preferred app name. So <laughs> nope name became it because I couldn't think of anything on the spot and I couldn't go with my mean girls quotes anymore. Cool, cool. I always kind of, I mean, sometimes some people have, you know, their ads and you're just like, oh, whatever. But then some people are just like, why is that her app no. name? My name got stolen from me, so I just don't have a name any longer. <laughs> gotcha. I feel you. Well, you definitely have a voice. You have a great voice. Um, 
an NBA Twitter and just speaking about basketball. I love to talk to women about basketball. I love talking to women who know basketball. I love talking to black women and women of color who are into sports and basketball. So this is like ah, one of my favorite <laughs> things to do. So a lot's going on in the NBA. I feel like all the time, um, things are like constantly changing. Um, a lot of narratives and different things happening this year. And one of them is the rookie of the year debate that's going on right now. And you guys, the Toronto Raptors have one of the hottest rookies <laughs> out right now, but there's another one also in, in Cleveland. And so I'm curious just to know like how Raptors fans are feeling right now about their rookie. Cause I know initially some people were like, this is not who we want. And they were like mad about the draft and, you know, everyone wasn't high on, on picking Scotty Barnes. And now I see everyone loving him, but where did you stand? How are you feeling now? And what's it like for the fan base? Um, that's a great question. So yeah, so Mobley and Barnes are so much fun to watch, both of them. But um, with Scotty, he was not the preferred pick from the Toronto Raptors fan base. And I'm someone who does not watch college basketball. Um, I don't really follow it. I don't ever really know what's going on. So I didn't know anything about Suggs or about Scotty. And Jalen Suggs was the person who went fifth in the draft to the Orlando Magic. And the Raptors, uh, Raptor fans at the very least, really thought that he would go fourth overall to the Toronto Raptors. And um Honestly, just watching, like just looking at Scotty, just a photo of Scotty alone, I was like, this is clearly the person that Masai Ujiri is going to want. The entire Raptors roster is built out of six, nine guys with seven feet wingspan. And that's what Scotty is. So why not add another um, to, to the list? And Scotty has just been phenomenal. Like you can exactly see why the Raptors wanted him, why they went after him. He wasn't the popular choice heading into the draft. And I personally don't know why watching him, watching him on the floor right now, he is so much more polished than I think people gave him credit for his ability to finish around the rim, his lack of fear getting into the paint and going up against the big guys there. He doesn't really have much of a shooting touch, but he has more than I think people perceived um, prior to him entering the league. He's also just a really big, strong body. Like I watched him steal the ball straight out of Kevin Durant's hands. He just yanked it out of Kevin Durant's hands. Um, no fear and just so much size and strength, which is not something that you see from a rookie. Uh, also just the ability to slot in defensively and play in that way is not something that you get from a rookie. Uh, so he kind of just fits in perfectly and seamlessly on this team. And it's such a treat and so much fun to watch. Uh, but on, on draft night, I was actually doing, I, I had a couple of like draft day things that I was doing. So I was on camera the entire time and I watched the Scotty thing happen. And I just started bursting out laughing because I knew how disappointed everybody else was, but I thought he would be the guy. And I was really glad that he was the guy. Um, so that's my long winded spiel about the way that I feel about Scotty Barnes. But I will say he is a fan favorite now and Raptor fans all recognize that you trust Masai Ujiri. Masai Ujiri does not do wrong with the draft. No. I think he's like <laughs> the best, the best exec in mind in basketball. Like you guys are so fortunate to have him. I agree. And, I and we almost lost him this man. summer. Love it. And we almost mm -hmm. lost him this summer. Isn't that crazy? What was that about? I, that story was crazy. Is that guy still um, the the one who had was who was trying to like get him ousted? Is he still around? Because he's like a part owner, right? <laughs> so it's it's 
Canadian Succession. Have you watched Succession? Are you familiar with it at all? No. I okay, don't, so don't, don't judge me. Don't judge me. It's a great show. Get on it. A little <laughs> jealousy you get to start from the beginning. But no, Succession is about um, this billionaire family. They kind of like mimic the the Ailes or the Murdochs or anyone else in like American lore. Uh, really rich family own ATN, which is like Fox or whatever you want to call it, right? So Canadian version of that is Rogers. Okay. Rogers owns, um, our phone companies are Rogers. Right. Your internet's Rogers. Yep. Um, they own television channels. They're a whole multi-media company. Um, and he is on the board. Now his father passed away. So very similar succession. And there's kind of a fight going on about who's going to sort of have power. There's literally a succession episode happening in Canada. Just news stories every day, families in court, mom suing son, suing sister, suing brother. It's a mess. Um, and him, Ed, Ed Rogers, the, the son and, and the person being sued by both his mother and his sister at this moment, decided that Masai Ujiri was actually overrated um, and worth too much money and arrogant. That's so arbitrary. Which, it's just racism is all it is. Obviously. Right? Like it's the language that he was using, which is like he's arrogant and he's worth like not worth this and we can go yeah. on without him. Um, and honestly, I think what it comes from is Masai Ujiri is a legend in Toronto and in Canada as a whole. He is he he's as valued as you would expect him to be, and he's as loved as you would expect him to be. And I think being an owner of the team, he kind of feels a little bit jealous um at all of the praise and the success that this black man is getting when you know daddy paid for him to have all of that praise and all of that you know, lore. Um, so, so that happened. And I think it leaked probably because of his, allegedly, allegedly, I don't want to get sued by the Rogers um, company. You're a lawyer. Would you, would you defend me in that? Is that? I'm no? not admitted in, in Canada, but I would find you the best lawyer. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it leaked. I don't know how it leaked. I'm just going to keep it open to that, but that story leaked and it was a mess. He's still around though. And Masai Ujiri, like he would have, he said that he was going to just take a year off. Um, so that was really interesting to me. He almost took a year off as opposed to going to other places that were offering him equity. There were reports that the Wizards were offering him equity and he was ready to turn that down because he was so hurt um, that he was about to take a year off. But the other owners um, stepped in um, because nobody likes Ed and um, were able to, you know, alleviate any any drama around there. And so Masai Ujiri stays and we're all happy. But I cannot believe because there was so much um, tension to close out the year because we knew that Kyle was gone and the team sucked and we were going to get a first lottery pick in forever and nobody knew about Masai. He just would not comment on it. And we were like, why aren't you saying anything? He's going to go. Why would he hold it up to the last minute? He's going to go. Come to find out, he always wanted to stay. It was the team that was not going to pay him to stay. It's crazy. That's you know, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Someone on the outside looking in, I was like, he's leaving. And I didn't know who was going to get him. But oh, I, I didn't think he I would go him. to another team. I don't 
think he was ever going to go to another team. He's very much made it clear that that's not something that interested him. I thought he was going to go back to Africa because he does Giants of Africa. Um, And I thought he wanted to, and I knew VAL was coming out, um, the Basketball African League, and I thought maybe he could be commissioner of that league, or maybe he's just going to do some other sort of work around there. I didn't think he would leave to another NBA franchise. He's never really seemed like that was something that he ever wanted to do. And so like him choosing to stay back or to, to take a year off as opposed to going to another franchise kind of makes sense to me because it never really felt like this I would ever leave to somewhere else. It always felt like if he left, he would leave to um, go back to Africa and start up basketball African league in the way that he wants. That would be incredible. And I'm sure he no. probably is still going to do that one day. No, not, not for yet, the Raptors fan thing, but <laughs> no, he, yeah. honestly, I just marvel at him. Like, really, it's an incredible thing. And honestly, from a distance, I mean, I'm always admiring just the Raptors, how they develop players, because, you know, I know that it's a little harder in Toronto to, like, get free agents to come there. Yeah. And you guys have had some free agents leave. And so to me, teams that have those struggles, you have to have good development. You have to have, like, you know, a good front office and like an executive leading and like you guys to me are like the model for like the way it should be, you know, because like, you know, some organizations actually don't have great management, but because they are a certain destination, people want to go there. And so, you know, I always thought it was unfortunate that Kawhi didn't stay. Um, But, you know, do you think you guys have found your guy in in Barnes? Is he your franchise guy, you think? I think I, I think that he, he, he's, I think he is like, he's just watching him play. I'm amazed and impressed with him every single day. Like I was not expecting someone, like I said, so offensively polished and I'm not to say he, he is off at, like he, he made a couple of mistakes just the other night against Portland <laughs> Uh, in the fourth he's definitely still a rookie he makes his rookie lapses and his mistakes but he is so good and so dominant he kind of sleeps walk to a 20 and 10 like you're right. like oh Barnes didn't really have a great game and you look at the stat sheet and you're like oh shut me up like <laughs> what how was a rookie averaging 18 and um so so I do think that he he is going to be just sort of the centerpiece and the long-term piece and he also has a great personality which is something that I think is very underrated when talking about the superstar and the franchise player yes you have to be that on the court but I think having a very dominant loud um unafraid personality really does help and he has that he's such a character um and is so warm and I think that translates so much to his play on the court, but it also translates to just having great chemistry and watching his players kind of take up after him. He is a rookie, but I see him being the leader in a couple of years. So how has he been working out like with Pascal coming back to the team? Like how, I know like at first Pascal was on a minutes restriction, but like, yeah, that working well together on the court. Have there been any like struggles? What, what has it looked like? It's been weird. The Raptors are the weirdest team in basketball because they don't have a single player over 6'10 on the roster. Everyone's basically 6'9. It's almost an entire team of that. So they don't actually have a big man. So what they end up playing is a three forward lineup. Um, So you have Pascal, you have Ojean, you have Siakam, who all just have incredible wingspans are all seven feet above wingspans, but are all fairly short to play that center position. And that has been a struggle as of right now. I see it being something that'll be actually really successful down the line. It's something that I've been waiting for for so long. I'm so excited to watch it happen. I think it's been a struggle initially. Um, 
only because defensively they look a mess. <laughs> we can get into that in a little bit, but um, offensively, I think offensively, defensively, I'm not too worried. They look a mess right now. Offensively, there I haven't noticed too many issues because Pascal Siakam has been shooting the ball really well, but that's going to be really important in order for the two of them to play with each other because you can't have two guys in the starting lineup that cannot space the floor. So if Siakam shot anything like he did last year, it's going to be over for the Raptors. But if he shoots in the way that he has so far in his first four games back and the way he has the year before that, then he's fine, right? We've had enough of a sample size from Pascal Siakam to say that he's not as terrible as he was last season. And last season was probably an aberration. So I'm not too worried about that. Um, but it they need to have that in order for them for the two of them to gel offensively. And as of right now, it's kind of looked a mess defensively, but I uh -huh. foresee it being just insane for teams to go up against in the future. I think give this another 10 games or so, we're going to be talking about this Raptors defense is like, what? Like they have stretches where you're watching them. And you're just like, like, what is anyone else on the court supposed to even do? But then they also have stretches where everybody looks lost and confused. And that's going to be the case when you're playing a rookie. And when you're playing a guy who just came back from shoulder surgery and hasn't touched a basketball in over in nearly 200 days, like we're, we're bringing these two guys in together. It's of course going to look disjointed at times, but I do foresee it in the future, at least, you know, towards the end of the year, just looking insane. Okay. So, I mean, there have been a lot of trade rumors around Siakam. So do you think that's something that is going to happen or you think like this is going to be the squad for the foreseeable future? Squad for the foreseeable future. The thing about the Raptors are none of the rumors that ever come out are from the Raptors. They're an organization that never leaks. It's actually so, it's so funny to me because even when you hear rumors come out, even George uh, not George Hill, Rodney Hood. I don't know why I said George Hill. He's never after. Even Rodney Hood going to the Bucks. That was something that I heard once the Bucks were like, hey, we picked up Rodney Hood. That was not something that we heard that like, oh, the Raptors died. Like he disappears. Like he, he's gone. Right. Trades like the Raptors do not leak anything. There's no part, um, even the sign and trade with Kyle Lowry and, and him going to Miami. We knew that he went to Miami. We didn't know the details about that deal because Masai Ujiri's team was not going to list what was happening so we only got to hear what the heat were sort of putting out there and what Kyle's agent was putting out there but or allegedly um but uh so the Raptors don't leak anything so all of the uh all of the rumors around Pascal Siakam are clearly not coming from them Pascal has said that he wants to stay here long term term Masai has said that he wants to stay here long term and all the rumors kind of feel like okay, you've developed this guy as a 27th overall pick. You played for your G League team. You developed him into an all-star and an all-NBA player. And now you're going to trade him to bring in another guy that you can do that exact same thing with. It kind of feels like people treat the Raptors as a farm for the NBA, um, where all of these Pascal Siakam deals don't actually make sense for the Raptors and what they're trying to do. Um, it's just like, give us your good guy that you developed and we're going to give you another project so you can go develop him. And it's like, no. Actually, exactly. we're, we're fine <laughs> not doing that. Okay. So yeah, I don't think, I don't think there's noise there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, cause I mean, I think it was linked for us and I mean, I don't, I'm I don't want Wiggins. Either. I don't want Wiggins. I don't want to trade Wiggins, so it's okay. Um, but just like, I don't even know where that was coming from either. Cause I did always feel like that was like wishful thinking for the people who do want to get rid of Wiggins. And I'm like, why, why is Masai doing that? <laughs> like, you know, so 
there were there were like trade rumors and I think a lot of times it's just like fans and then like writers who come up with these what if you do this kind of thing but you know I wasn't sure like how the fan base felt about him because I know he did struggle a little bit um last season and so people were just like I don't know people had different thoughts on him so I was curious what you thought yeah no I think last season I think most Raptor fans should at the very least just throw that out um Tampa was weird it was such a weird season and it makes sense that it was weird um for one nobody really knew when the NBA was starting back Two, for the Raptors they didn't know if they were going to be allowed to play in Canada or not play in Canada so you have these guys who've been here for years their kids go to school here their families they have homes here they have lives here they have friends and like a whole routine that they have here and now you're disrupting that two weeks before the season starts to tell them oh hey enroll your kids in Tampa school oh hey find permanent housing in Tampa for or temporary housing for the year in Tampa it's a lot and the Raptors have a lot of guys who have families and kids and so I don't think people recognize that like the Raptors were practicing out of a ballroom and living out of a hotel it was like the whole tr- team had a mid-season yeah. trade it's just the weirdest situation ever. Um, and so all of what happened there, I think you just kind of have to toss out. And I think for Pascal Siakam specifically, he went through some major losses there. He had a lot of like personal things that he was going through. And beyond that, he had a bad shoulder and a groin injury and just a bunch of things that he was sort of going through in a very weird year um, and had COVID and didn't fully recover from that once once that came. You can very much see it, it taking him out entirely. He looked out of shape when he came back and his conditioning was clearly out of whack so there were so many things that were happening there (laughs) that you just have to toss that season out entirely and start fresh and start anew and I think Pascal has looked great offensively in his first four games back yeah you know I think it's interesting what you said because I, I think the whole COVID and players who got it is kind of like an underrated storyline in terms of the after effects because Draymond had COVID as well and it took him a a while to like really get to himself like even though he came back playing and like some fans were like criticizing him even myself at times I mean I love Dre so it's never like that I don't I want him gone but you Mm -hmm. know like you'd be frustrated at like his lack of aggression or what we're used to seeing from Dre. And then I would be reminded that, you know, he might still be recovering from COVID. And then like the other day, um, Jason Tatum was still just like, just this season, you know, he got asthma asthma from COVID. That is insane to me. And so, you know, we'll have to see what happens. And I do not want players to keep getting it. I don't want anyone to keep getting it, but I don't know that we're paying enough attention to the lingering, you know, effects that it's having on these players who we consider to be the best and healthiest and most in shape, you know, guys in the world. And it's still impacting them. Like it's not always death, right? But there's other like lingering issues. And I don't think we're talking about it enough. And um yeah, I mean, when you brought that up, it just like really resonated with me. Yeah. Um, have you guys played the Cavaliers yet? We have, yeah. So what was it that was, matchup like? The two rookies. Uh, it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was honestly probably the my favorite game of the season, but also just the most heartbreaking. The Raptors lost um, at the buzzer. Uh, so it was the heart, uh, most heartbreak and you know Scotty had you know he thought he got a tip in it didn't work so so it was on Scotty there too. Um, it, it was fun to watch. 
I cannot wait to watch Mobley and Barnes go up against each other for so long. I said that the Raptors kind of have a very interesting starting lineup because they just have a bunch of six, nine guys with seven feet wingspan, but the Cavs just have a bunch of seven feet guys. <laughs> like, they just, they're just playing. And I actually, plugging a piece, I literally wrote about both the Cavs and the Raptors and this weird teams that they're sort of building um, and what that Please sort of means it. for the future. Um, it, it should be coming out soon on basketball news. So check out for that, uh, okay. coming out, I think tomorrow possibly. Yes. Um, so yeah, so, um, it, and it's, it's literally about these two teams and the Cavs to me are just so interesting, um, playing Markin in at three, playing, um, all three of their seven footers on the starting lineup. It's just, it's so crazy. It's so much fun to watch. Uh, so to me, the Raptors and the Cavs are my two favorite teams um, because I'm just, I've always been a big Jared Allen fan. I really wanted him for the Raptors. Very sad when he <laughs> was traded to the Cavaliers there and the Raptors couldn't get him. Um, it's like the Nets and, are missing him too. Oh my gosh, yeah. Imagine, like I, I didn't really understand their need to put him into that deal. I didn't quite get it. Um, I thought that he should have stayed there. And I was like, well, if he's expendable like this, hold on, can we, can we try our hands at him? Can you send him right. over here, please? Um, but, but, uh, then bringing in marketing made no sense to me still makes no sense to me. Don't quite get it. Um, I'm not a big marketing guy, but that's fine. Um, and, and then Mobley is a treat. Mobley was Mobley was actually first on the Raptors draft order. So they wanted Mobley. They were trying really hard to get Mobley. They wanted to move up to third, but the Cavs wouldn't budge. They wanted to move to second, but the Rockets wouldn't budge. Uh, they wanted to move to first, but the Pistons wouldn't budge there. So they really tried very hard to get Mobley. Um, and then Scotty was second on their board. And it's really un easy to understand why those were the first two guys because of what Mobley's able to do. He is just so versatile. He's so long. He's so athletic. He's so quick. He can hang with guys on the perimeter. Um, but also when you meet him at the rim, he's still a seven foot tall guy. So good luck scoring over him. Um, he's like really Thin. And so my biggest, because someone who doesn't watch college basketball, I watched him and I was like, okay, but like, how impactful is he going to be right. on defense when he enters the NBA? He is so thin, like a gust of wind and he's just out of here. Like Nikola Jokic just needs to move in a little bit quickly and, and he's, he's gone. Um, but he's been able to really hold his own um, in the NBA. Now, but I think he should still get stronger. I think he still needs to put on some more weight, but I was pleasantly surprised. And part of that is just when you're long, you're long and it doesn't matter how much weight you have on your body. Good luck scoring over that. Well, some Warriors fans may not agree with that because you know we have James Wiseman and we'll talk about him because I don't like the way people got on my guy, but- um, oh. He's, he's long and tall and he had some struggles last year, which I think were really mostly not his own fault, but nonetheless, you know, it definitely proves the whole theory. Like they're good because they're just tall. No, 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 no. That's not true about anyone. Oh, you have like, to be skilled for yes. sure. And I mean, it's amazing because all those big guys and they somehow it's working out on the Cavs and I don't think people are ready to accept it yet, but the Cavaliers are a good team. They're a good um, team. And I mean, they, they, they got some unfortunate injuries. I mean, Sexton went down um, and now Mobley, I think it's only going to be like a couple of weeks, right? Yeah, I don't think it's anything serious, like too, too long, but <laughs> it's unfortunate, but they're so much fun and Derek's Garland is so fun. Like I'm, I'm such a fan of his. They're just a great team. 
I'm disappointed that, you know, because we play them tomorrow night and I was also excited because I know they're one of your other teams to watch outside of the Raptors. So I was like, oh, great. Iman can tell um, Dubs fans like what they should be expecting from this team, but we're not going to have their full teams. I mean, what should we be expecting with those guys out? Wish I could tell you, um, Rubio, <laughs> Rubio going for what was it, forty that he did the other night? Did you? That's see, one oh, of my. I see. I missed that game, but that's kind of one of my favorite things about the Cavs. You turn on, you're just like, wait, what? Like Kevin Love and Ricky Rubio being there together again is so <laughs> odd to me, um, and a lot of fun. Um, but just speaking about the Warriors, like last night I don't think you guys have any like just think about Steph like what do you have to think about with other teams I don't know Steph and Curry I think that's the answer like what do other teams even exist at this point um he's so much fun oh my gosh I can only imagine It's very hard for me to focus because I'm literally like high off the game last night other teams don't matter they don't matter (laughs) Steph and Curry who's stopping that I really, I really wanted to like see, um, I wanted to see what it was, you know, Mobley, like he's exciting. I just love the fact that there's all these rookies. And I mean, even last year's class, I feel like is a little underrated because like Aunt Edwards is killing, LaMelo is killing, right? Like no one's, I mean, it's just, I love it. I love the NBA right now. I love all the talent in the NBA. You know, I think, last year when you had things like the Warriors not being in the postseason and injuries or whatever we just got to see some other players shine and see them and I don't know that they're gonna now like emerge and like take over like right this second but it was just great to see the rest of the talent in the NBA shining so the future looks bright and I'm really excited but so disappointed um that we're not going to get to see Mobley in that that matchup tomorrow, but I am. We have two games before we play you. So we have the Cavs and we have um, um, Detroit, which uh, poor Detroit, we'll we'll get to them a little later, but we have the Raptors on Sunday and I'm super excited about that. Um, The Detroit Pistons just killed the Raptors the other night. Absolutely destroyed the Raptors. I know. I didn't. I didn't want to touch on them because I knew that happened. <laughs> so painful. The Raptors have not been a like. I mean, I think. I think they're like seven and three. I think the stat is against Dwayne Casey. Even championship team Raptors, like the championship year with Kawhi Leonard, I think we lost all four games against them that year. I think they swept the Raptors in the regular season. I'm like 90% sure that's what happened. Dwayne Casey just gets his guys up to play to play Nick Nurse and. Kind of like OKC and the Lakers this year, huh? Um, (laughs) um, So the, you know, Toronto is, uh, those games are always fun to me, especially when we are going to Toronto, which isn't the case this time, but they're usually fun to me because, you know, that's kind of like Steph's other home. Well, one of them, he has North Carolina and Toronto and he loves playing there. So he usually puts on a show if he's playing, um and so and I I always just like going up against the Raptors and now I mean the thing about it is like even though you guys beat us in that series like I don't feel like animosity at all towards you guys you know like I'm not I don't know because I maybe it's because I've always liked the Raptors organization maybe I I'm a fan of Kawhi the player like you know so I really like him 
Um, I kind of like that Kyle Lowry, your guy. We'll talk about him too. I felt like that was in a in a way a redemption. Like not like, cause you know, like his his the way people view him has gone like up and down. But I, I kind of feel like now he's almost like now everyone loves Kyle Lowry, you Blue know? And so yeah. and so I don't know, but it did and you know what? I felt like for the most part, like you guys showed respect. Like I remember one time, like I don't know if it was like after the series ended, but I saw like Kawhi in the interview and I, I don't remember what the reporter asked him. He's just like, not taking away anything from you guys, but he's also just like, I mean, they are missing some guys, you know, like, yeah. it's, you know, and so like, just like a, like just a respect to the team and what Golden State has done, you know, sometimes opposing teams are nasty and then, you know, they, they get on my radar and I can be really obnoxious, but I don't feel like, like that. Oh, you know actually I don't mind the Clippers anymore like well because, Pat Bev is gone and yeah Montrez and, is gone. and yeah. Paul George is there and I like those guys but it could reemerge. but like the Houston Rockets I will forever mm. forever they've been like I've been going back and forth with that fan base all day so you know I I don't feel that disdain for the Raptors and um so I always like playing them and so you guys are going to come into town and is anyone still hurt or like will we have the full Raptor squad there? Um, there's Utah Watanabe who's still hurt. Uh, he might be back actually by then. We might get the full squad for the first time in Golden State. Um, that might be the first time that the Raptors get their full squad. It's the place, but I think nothing has been announced fully, but that might be the first game that we actually see everybody all together. Okay. I mean, I think it's actually going to be a really good game. And I think the Raptors are, I think the East is really deep. And I, I consider you guys one of the good teams, even though you're like, just like under 500 and right on the outside. So I, yeah. I am curious to know if you, if you think you guys will make it to the playoffs, make a play in like what the year looks like, but teams like that to me, I feel like are they're going to play well. So, I mean, mm-hmm. look, I said that the Brooklyn game would be close and I was completely freaking wrong. So um, I could be wrong about this, but for some reason, I feel like it's going to be a good game and it's going to be competitive. So I'm excited about it. What are you looking forward to or expecting for our matchup when we see you guys? Uh, it's so tough. Cause like right now the Raptors are on, they've lost five of the last six. So they're, I think they're about 700 or a game below, uh, sorry, I think they're about 500 or a game below 500 right now. Right. And that's because they've lost five of the last six. They were actually rolling before that. Um, and then a bunch of injuries came. Ken Birch got hurt and Ken Birch kind of plays the de facto center. He's kind of, he is their defensive anchor. He is kind of the sturdiest defender and their defense really plummeted with him gone. Then they're working back in Pascal Siakam in the last four games. And although he's looked really great offensively, he's looked really bad defensively which is to be expected because like I said he hasn't played basketball in over 200 right. in nearly 200 days um and is coming off of a major shoulder surgery um and Fred Van Vliet's kind of been in and out of the lineup there too so it's been a lot of just working guys back in and out and their defense in the last six games has been thir- is ranked 30th they're the 30th ranked defense the worst in the league I did not know it was that bad the worst in the league in the nine games prior. So in the last six games, 30th and the nine games prior, they were seventh, the seventh ranked defense. 
the seventh ranked defense, which is kind of where you would expect this team to be. It's kind of where all Nick Nurse teams have been yeah. for the Raptors. They've always been really good defensive teams. And you look at the Raptors personnel, Fred Van Vliet, as Warriors fans will know, I think you know, Fred Van Vliet, kind of people recognizing him as like great defender that he is, which is ridiculous because they should have done that way before. He's but not he's he's all NBA level defender was in the way that he guarded Stephen Curry in that in that finals. And he he is a, just an like just a, a complete just dog on defense and people just see an undersized guard and think that that's not the case but he can guard up positions he's just truly elite at that position OG Ananobi probably the best one-on-one defender I think most people kind of look at OG Ananobi as a future like wing defensive player of the year type of guy in the way that he's able to just lock people up one-on-one you have Pascal Siakam who is very um he's seen it in the finals as well like he's a great sort of as a free safety he is a great help defender he's so long so you're looking at the personnel scotty barnes great defender great defender as well and it just doesn't make sense that they're this bad defensively 30th makes absolutely no sense so to answer your question i genuinely do not know because in the last six games despite being the 30th ranked defense they have a top 10 offense i think they're ranked seventh in offense which is not what you would expect looking at this roster with a lot of guys who are not offensively gifted or talented uh, Pascal Siakam is and he's the reason like he's been a huge reason for that he's just been a breath of fresh air on offense and right. has been able to score everywhere on the court and that's been a big part of it but looking at this roster you don't see a top 10 offense and a bottom 10 defense certainly not the worst defense in the world so or in the league in the world same thing um but so it just doesn't make sense to me so what to expect I don't know it could be a bloodbath because part of the defensive schemes that they play is like a really aggressive <laughs> it's true it's like a really aggressive style where they try to take away the paint and they leave the court they, they leave shooters open and when you have people who are making defensive lapses now I don't think that that's going to happen to Stephen Curry I think they're going to have Fred Bambley on him um I don't think that they're going to um allow any of that but it's just been so weird to watch um as they're trying to figure each other out that it could it could be a disaster for the Raptors with just the Warriors getting hot from deep um or it could be a really competitive game which is to say I have no idea because the Raptors are playing basketball that makes no sense to me how do you give up 125 points to the Detroit Pistons the worst team in basketball the Detroit Pistons would not be able to score 125 points in an open gym and the Raptors were able to do that in a game right. and just do, or 127 points even worse so and in regulation not even overtime um and it's because they had the best three-point shooting night of all time and they just allowed the Blazers to have the best three-point shooting in a vault well the Blazers really just hit some really difficult shots there so I'm going to give credit to, to the Blazers offense on that one um but it just it doesn't make any sense but I do think that the Raptors um you guys have I think you said two games before Raptors only yeah. have one. It's just the Jazz. That's it. Um, and so I think that extra time that they have will be used to practice and get guys acclimated. So I imagine by the time they reach Golden State, they're not going to be making the same mistakes that they made a week ago when everyone was kind of fitting into the lineup. So I hope by that point, they're gelling a little bit more and we're not seeing um, the mess that we've seen uh, in the week prior. But it could be really bad if they continue you to guys, play defense this way. You guys are playing the Jazz. The Jazz on Thursday. 
Okay, so yeah, I'm gonna hope that you guys beat the Jazz because I hope so too. teams teams. Well, of course, obviously, because you want to get back on the winning side of things. But like, anytime teams have lost a lot of games in a row, they're gonna like want to get up to play. Because I don't, I don't think you guys are at a point in the season where guys are just like we suck and it's over. I don't think that right. And so, so there's that. People always want to get up for the Warriors. So like, that's just what happens. Um, so I expect. Um, Fred, Fred Van Vliet to like shoot out of this world because like of course that's what he's gonna do when they play the Warriors um there's always that from that finals one of the things that people always talk about was the way that Nick Nurse you know decided to defend Steph for a large part of that series when people went down so there was the whole box and when you guys won't be able to do that this time but I, I I think you're gonna do a better job trying to defend but what's really interesting about the Warriors is a lot of people think like we just can't let Steph get off. We're gonna try to yeah. take away the three point line, and we are like often either I don't know where we are this year. It's one of the the top couple of teams, but last year, even with that weak offense, we led the league in dunks. We typically are one of the like top teams in dunks. Like we can score in the paint. Um, yeah, Steph can, but the rest of the team can. So like people forget but like that the first game of the season when we played the Lakers that's how we beat them it was with paint points you know so like our team can get hot um this is only we haven't had that many road games so this is like it's it's yeah, you know yeah your role players tend to right play better at home so I, I I haven't yet been able to get a sense of like do our guys that just do they just play better at home versus on the road the shooting still <laughs> hasn't been that great in the last couple of games but I just, I just expect you guys to show up. Pascal is going to just like go crazy. I just feel like that's what teams do when they play, excuse me, the Warriors. And you guys have some experience playing us, right? So I expect for that wisdom to be imparted on to like, you know, any of the players who haven't. So I'm always expecting a good game. I really don't like to disrespect teams or look past them. So I think it's going to be a good game and I'm excited to see it. Um, and just, you know, Kaminga, I don't know if you've had a chance to really watch us, but that's one of our rookies. And he's mm-hmm. been playing really good minutes for us. Like he he gets in foul trouble, but he's been playing really good minutes for us. Um, so I think it'll be cool to see him out there and hopefully, obviously Barnes, like the two of them out there. See if Because Kaminga feels slighted. Like he likes being on the Warriors, but he's still... Yeah doesn't like oh yeah he, he was the seven yeah that was the whole thing was like is it going to be Kaminga that the Raptors are going after is it going to be Barnes is it going to be Suggs there was a whole yeah he was definitely a part of that sort of mix of people that um could have been slotted to go forth to the Raptors so that'll be interesting might be a, a revenge game or revenge not picking me in the draft game um but it'll it'll be interesting I just think it just comes down to the Raptors defense um and if they can get that to look better than they have thus far and I think that's a little bit tough to do on the road because right now they're on a a west coast road trip they just played in Portland play they play the Jazz and then they go on to play I think the Kings and then the Warriors we might actually have a Kings game in between there it might be Jazz Kings Warriors I actually don't don't remember but um the games are pretty spread apart uh so they will have some time to like figure things out and that's what it'll come down to. But it'll be, it'll be interesting. I actually have a question for you about just Kaminga and also Wiseman last year. I think something that the Warriors, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe you don't, maybe I'm looking at this from an outsider's perspective and it might be wrong, but it seemed like the Warriors struggled in 
developing their guys while trying to compete at the same time like mixing in the trying to compete and trying to win because you have Stephen Curry and you you take you're taking Wiseman you have Steph you have Draymond who are both above 30 um doing both at the same time whereas like this year it seems like they have been able to at least and do you think anything changed is there anything to that yeah so yeah definitely um well for one we did struggle we sucked at developing players (laughs) yeah um and a lot of that was You know, because people people will tell you they'll just like speak like, oh, the Warriors are great at developing because Clay, Steph, and and Ray. But a lot of that Steph wasn't drafted or really developed under the current regime. Right, right, right. And neither was Clay, honestly, for the most part. Clay's like twenty eleven. Yeah, yeah. Dre, uh, like by the time Kerr came there and I mean Dre popped pretty popped really soon but he was under Mark Jackson and he got he got to play like in that playoff series that they lost to the Clippers um in seven the year before Kerr came Dre had to play and I think it was pretty clear after that that he probably should be starting so once Kerr came in he made that change right away you know moved Iguodala to be the sixth man and so he kind of had a team, he really focused on the offense, right? And I mean, he brought in a great defensive coach and um, Adams, but like they always were already a defensive-minded team and they had a really good defense already. So yeah. um, you, they never had to focus on developing, um, which is interesting, you should have, because when you're that good and you're getting such late picks, you have to develop well. And it wasn't something that they focused on. So- mm-hmm. When we drafted and we had some awful, awful like picks, some of them were picks that you knew at the time just probably weren't going to be good. Mm -hmm. Um, And then some of it is honestly just their own cockiness. They got a little bit too like, we do everything better, light years, you know, all that bullshit. And um, thinking they were better than people. So like sometimes someone would be the smart pick and they're like when the league zigs we're gonna zag you know like they just always thinking they're smarter than everyone else and I think last year was like a rude awakening for them I actually do because they brought in Wiseman with no plan to develop him and I know people think that we just kind of got caught off guard because you know like Clay got hurt and we had to make like a pick in but in the like in the rush of a moment but they were always gonna pick Wiseman that was their pick that's who they were gonna pick but they we're going to pick him and they had no plan to develop him. And we've never developed a big man and we've never had a big man with like his skill set. actually. Like that's not what Andrew Bogut was, you know? Mm -hmm. And so they just had no plan and they're also obsessed with big men. So they have a fetish for them. So they've been trying for years and years and years to get their guy and they haven't. So I feel like they threw James Wiseman to the wolves, you know, like they, they put him out there. They wanted him to make reads and like pass in this complicated system that we have where they should have just used him in limited minutes, some pick and roll, get him some lobs, easy buckets. There was a lot of force feeding going on to him and the passes weren't always good. So then 
look, there, it is true that his hands were not great, but there's also an exaggeration of how bad his hands are because sometimes, you know, it's kind of like, do you remember Mario Chalmers? Yeah. Of he used to get like picked on, like, oh, you yes. did this wrong, even when like LeBron is the one who messed up or Dwayne Wade was. So I wouldn't say that like, the players were picking on him, but the fan base, like they would mm-hmm. ignore that like Steph or Dre threw a really bad pass. Like, oh, Wiseman and get all upset. So I don't think he's gotten a fair shake. It didn't help that he was drafted before LaMelo and LaMelo's look like a star. So I expect to see Wiseman look different. They invested in coaches, right? So they they brought over a coach um, from, from Europe who helped with um, Jokic and um, has experience developing big men, right? And so they, they, they invested, they, they turned over the coaching staff. And I, I think you've seen those signs right away from Atkinson mm-hmm. and some of the moves they made, the fact that we're leaning into math and shooting the three ball more, which you would think you have Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, you would do that, but mm-hmm. they weren't. Like Kerr was like still not really that into the three. And so we've seen the changes already, but development, it was like a big thing you could tell by their coaching hires. So I expect Wiseman to look better. I mean, they were arranging for him to work with Kevin Garnett and then he got the injury, which really sucks because I would love him to get time with KG. So, you know, he's put on some muscle. Mm -hmm. He's had the opportunity to watch the team and just watch them play, which to me is like watching film, right? Like you get to watch them and like learn and see things. And I don't, I don't expect he's going to have to earn minutes on this team. And we actually can use him because Kevon Looney, I love him. Fundamentally sound player, super high IQ, but he's slow as molasses. And sometimes it's just like, really hard to watch all the pump fakes 30 times under the basket so we we could we could use Wiseman's athleticism but I think the unexpected development is Cook Kaminga like we thought Mm. he was going to be the project we thought he was going to be the G leaguer like to to get development down there and he's already earning minutes and so it's going to be interesting to see how they bring Wiseman back because I think the two of them will need to play and get some time but they've definitely they're doing a much better job with development and I'm glad. So I'm sorry that I was long-winded that time, but that's the answer to your question, girl. Yeah. So we'll see. I, I, you know, cause you guys got, how do you feel about Boucher? Cause I mean, that was one of the people who like the Warriors had him and lost him. And we're like, look at what he's doing in Toronto. Now you fucks, like they do everything (laughs) right. And you guys don't. I know he was struggling a little bit, but like, is he still... How do you guys feel about him? Oh yeah, he's he's out right now. I I almost said we had a full roster. I guess not. Um, he he is. I mean, just another like I said, six nine, seven foot, <laughs> seven foot wingspan, six nine height. Um, but he was really good for the Raptors last year. In fact, he was probably the one bright spot in the darkest year for the Raptors. And part of that was he was shooting lights out. His shot right. looks incredibly wonky. Uh, I didn't buy it for a second, but I mean, if someone shoots like 40% for the year, he was like shooting nearly above 50%. I think think he was shooting above 50% for a good chunk of the year. And then it leveled out right towards the end. Um, But his three point shooting was a revelation. Um, He's also just like such a high energy guy. Um, And that's the ilk that the Raptors like. That's a type of player that they like. So he really did fit in seamlessly. He's kind of started off, um, slow 
And it's been, it's been weird working him in. He's a veteran on the team. He's been with this Raptors team for a few years at this point that he should understand the schemes and there's no reason for him to be lost in certain things. But I would say that his start so far this season has probably been the most disappointing of any Raptor, considering he was the bright spot last season. Um, but whenever your team relies too much on Chris Boucher, you're probably not in a great place. So I think he should be the Raptors ninth, 10th guy. And I think he'll continue to be that. And when he comes into the game, he can just change things up with his length and his ability to, to shoot. Um, Especially because he is not a reluctant shooter, Um, but he's not someone that is going to be an integral part. I think of this rotation going forward, at least that's not what he's shown to start the year. And he could shut me up um, halfway through the season, just like he did last year. Okay. So some quick predictions. So I want to know, so what do you think? Are the Raptors going to be a playoff team this year? Will they at least make the play-in or be vying for a play-in spot? What do you see as the ceiling and potential for this team? Ceiling, I think, is really high. Just because, and when I say really high, I don't mean they're going to win a championship or anything crazy. But um, I do think that they can be a playoff team. Like a ceiling, I think that that's, if everything sort of goes right for them, then I do think that that's their ceiling. Right now, they're incredibly thin. Um, They do not have any depth at all, which is a very rare thing for Toronto Raptors team. And and talking about development, something that the Raptors have been able to do really great, of course, is develop guys. So when you're looking at the starting lineup right now, all of these guys were bench guys at one point who have now filled into the starting lineup, right? So, you know, in DeMar DeRozan's last year here, Pascal was coming off the bench, Fred was coming off the bench, OG Ananobi was a rookie, and now those are your top three players, your highest usage guys, and they've moved to the starting lineup, which is great, but who are the bench players now taking their role, right? Like, that's kind of the hole that gets filled. Um, and so because your bench players have now become your starters, your bench is now thin, and it's thinner than it's ever been. Um, so that's going to be a really difficult thing. I think Fred Van Vliet leaves the league in minutes. I think, like, three of the Ra- – I think three Raptors are top ten in minutes right now in the NBA. Nick Nurse is just playing his guys, and he has to, um, because they're so – Thin on the bench and I think that's going to really really hurt them but a lot of their bench players I think can be productive um and some of this is just a matter of health of course Pascal missed most of the season already Fred has missed some time Kem has missed some time so part of that is the injuries that they're dealing with so if they have injury luck moving forward I think they can have a lot of success this year especially because defensively I think they're going to be really good and I think in order to be a competitive team and be in every single game you just have to be good defensively that's really all it is um and um they get out in transition like crazy they have the most amount of transition they're I think they lead the league right now or or one of the top leaders in just like fast break opportunities or the percentage of their offense that are fast break opportunities right now um so I think that they can be competitive and, and good but when you're as thin as the Raptors are, a single injury just takes you out completely. If they lost yeah. Fred Emsley for any significant time, that's it. That's the season. They might as well go home and try again next year. So for that reason, I'm going to say, I think they're a play-in team. Um, falling in, like, the East is good and the East is deep, but, like, 11, 12, 13, I don't know. They're not that great. So the Raptors would have to have a really terrible year in order to be right back around that section there. So I do think that they're going to be a play-in team. But um, Messiah has once said, play in for what? 
So he does not like the idea of being a play-in team. So we'll see what he does. Yeah, I mean, one game can change everything, right? Like the Warriors yeah. were in the eighth spot last year. They didn't win a game and that was crazy. It's, oh. it's annoying. So I definitely, I mean, I look, I still like the idea of the plan, but mm-hmm. um, it can definitely take a team that probably should be in the playoffs out of the playoffs. Right. And so yeah. um, how would you feel if you guys end up playing the heat <laughs> um, in a playoff series and your guy Kyle is on the other side? Cause um, I if, love if, that. I know how much you love and how you feel about Kyle Lowry. I see all the tweets all the time. So um, I know that's your guy. I know he's beloved. Um, And so how, how, you know, I mean, obviously you're going to still root for the Raptors, but that would kind of be like weird, bittersweet, or maybe, I don't know. I'll always root for the, I want him to have a good game and I want the Raptors to win. Like that's like my, have my cake and eating it too. That would be it. I'm always going to cheer for the Raptors, but I do, I do want Kyle to perform well there. I want people to love him as much as I do there. And, you know, it's been a rocky, it's been a rocky start. He's changed their offense completely and entirely, um, which is what he does best. Um, And he's just, he's just so much fun. So I I think the Heat are going to be really good. I love DeMar DeRozan with the Bulls as well. Just seeing a bunch of former Raptors that didn't get the love that they deserved here being celebrated elsewhere is kind of nice. Cause I don't know if you know this, like, from 2014 through to 2020, the Raptors have the best record in the NBA. And that's because from 2014 through to 2019, it's the Warriors. And of course, the Warriors just had such an abysmal 2020, it was the James Wiseman year, um, that the Raptors actually took over that. And like, for that to be the case, you have to have good players. You have to be a good team. And it never yeah. seemed like DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry were getting the respect that they truly deserve. So it's nice to see DeMar on a new team and, and getting that love. And I want that for Kyle as well. And he was I think, in the beginning. Yeah, I think people who like actually pay attention always understood that the, the, the Raptors were a good team and probably were just missing, you know, a piece. And, you know, in, in 2019, that piece was Kawhi. Um, it's interesting because I thought like you guys loved both of the players, but I've seen like some narratives and I don't know if it's Raptors fans doing it or if it's outsiders, but like kind of pitting Kyle and, and DeMar against one another. And there seems to be like this beef now that's developed with like the Bulls fan base. And I just need to understand what that is because it, it, it came out of left field for me. Confused. It's me. so it's so weird like Dre has a line my city loves me like I'm DeRozan or something like that uh or like DeMar DeRozan I think the line is but I don't I don't know that like a city has loved a player more than DeMar while he was here maybe Kyle is the only thing that comes close and that was only after DeMar left like when Kyle and DeMar were here I was in the minority and being a Kyle Lowry stand um it was very much all DeMar all the time um because Mark is a more exciting player to watch than Kyle Lowry point blank, someone who can dunk, someone who can, uh, someone who can just get their shot off at any point. Like we're watching it right now with DeMarco Rose and he's just incredible to watch. So I don't quite get it because I'm following Raptor fans. I'm looking at my timeline and it's all just like happy DeMar tweets. And then I have Bulls fans being like, oh my gosh, Raptor fans can't like hate DeMarco Rose. And it's like, where? <laughs> who are these people? Um, Because I just see, I just see a lot of like people celebrating DeMar. And I think Raptor fans are very aware that um, 
I think the conversation around DeMar DeRozan is not as nuanced as it should be. Um, it, it, and that's kind of what happens when you're on Twitter. Takes become very hyperbolic because you only have so much room for context right. in 280 characters. So, so much gets lost there. And for DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry, um, I've always felt like the regular season success that the Raptors had was always credited to DeMar and the playoff failures that they had was always blamed on Kyle Lowry. And I thought it always should be switched. Kyle Lowry is very clearly to me, in my opinion, and honestly, any advanced stat and any, anything that you look up, Kyle Lowry was always the best Raptor. I think the only year that that might've been debatable would have been in, in DeMar's last year here where he was just absolutely phenomenal. Um, and so um, but then the playoffs come around and the problem is with a player like DeMar DeRozan, um, there are some liabilities because he is not a good defender and he's not a good three-point shooter. So that extra piece that you were talking about, that piece that the Raptors were missing, they, they literally had the exact same team in 2017, 2018 and 2018, 2019, just slotting in Kawhi Leonard for DeMar DeRozan. Why it fit so seamlessly, why they were able to win a championship right away was because this team was built to fit around DeMar who plays very similarly to Kawhi Leonard and like Kawhi at that time DeMar has changed his game entirely where he's much more of a playmaker and much more of a ball handler um which but at that time was very iso heavy it was very just sort of clear out let me get my shot off operates both of them operate in the mid-range they both kind of do the exact same thing so so the Raptors were able to slot in Kawhi Leonard seamlessly. And the difference is Kawhi Leonard plays defense. And that's what really changed it for the Raptors, where DeMar was a defensive liability um, because teams would just attack him every single time. They'd get a switch and go and attack DeMar DeRozan. And on the offensive end, when Kyle Lowry is your point guard, and so the ball's in Kyle Lowry's hands, but you're not a three-point shooter and you're refusing to take threes, which is what DeMar consistently did, what happens is teams ignore you. Teams ignore you on, on offense if you are not a three-point shooter and the ball's not in your hands. So he became a liability on the offensive end and became a defensive liability. And that's what really did the Raptors in year in and year out, especially against LeBron James and the Cavaliers in the playoffs. So um, because that's the narrative, I think a lot of Raptor fans maybe are saying like, let's wait until the playoffs or let's see it there. But DeMar's still loved here. I think he was like, honestly, was more loved than Kyle Lowry when the two of them were here together. The idea that they hate DeMar or cheering against him is nonsense. Um, DeMar is Mr. Toronto. He came out saying he's Mr. Toronto. This city will never, ever turn on DeMar DeRozan, ever. Okay. Is there what any- I just said is the most harsh th- words that anyone will say about DeMar DeRozan. I've probably been more critical of DeMar than any other Raptor fan. Okay. Well, no, that's good to know because I'm like <laughs> perplexed. I mean, I know how like the outside world views it, but I was like, I thought that Toronto loved both of those guys. So is there any sentimental attachment to like Kawhi at all? Or is it just like he came here, did something for us, thanks, peace out? Or like, do, is the fan base have like a sentimental attachment to him too? Um, Sentimental, I think is tough because it only happened in a year and he like, missed 20 games of the regular season too, but he hit the greatest shot in Raptors history. He won the team a championship. He was absolutely phenomenal. Like he was so good in that playoffs. Like just so ridiculously, like it just, my brain breaks every time I think about having Kawhi Leonard there. So I think fans are very appreciative of what he did here. Um, And I think fans are very like just celebrate that ring and celebrate Kawhi and everything. Um, But the sentimentality is not, there like it may be for Vince Carter, DeMar DeRozan, or Kyle Lowry. And, and that makes sense because they were there much longer and yeah. okay. 
Wow. Listen, you're like speaking and I'm here like fangirling you because I just love it. I'm just like, oh my God, she's one of the best voices out. You guys have to follow Iman. She's so funny. She's hilarious. Obviously, as you heard, she knows her shit. So I don't even have to tell you. <laughs> Make sure you tune in for when's that article dropping that you have coming? I think tomorrow. I think tomorrow it's going to be about the calves, raptors, this length, this weird, um, refusal of going small like the rest of the league okay Warriors fans check it out because you know we have the Cavs <laughs> coming up and I can't even watch that game tomorrow because I'm going to actually be going to the Mary J Blige concert Ooh. <laughs> I want you know I was just like how did I not realize this was a conflict because I actually am a crazy person and I checked the basketball schedule before oh, I, I do that too games. I so I'm, I'm surprised that I double booked, but Mary's worth it. Queen Mary's worth it. So I'm not going to be able to watch the game, but I'm sure people want to know like what the Cavs are going to look like. And so check out her article, support her work, support black women, support women's voices in this space, follow her podcast. I love it. They're funny. Um, a lot of personalities over there. Uh, and I really like all of them. So, Iman, thank you so much. Thank you for having for, me. For coming on and joining me. Guys, follow all that. Um, it's available on most streaming platforms. Uh, subscribe on YouTube if you like to watch. Rate the show positively. Um, <laughs> give Five stars comments. or save it. Five stars or yes, or I don't want it. Um, leave me some feedback comments. I'd love to hear from you, but thank you so much for supporting the show and support please Iman as well. And Dishes and Dimes, dope podcast, just a bunch of dope women who know hoops. You will not regret it. Iman, take care. I'll see you on thank the TL you. and our teams on Sunday. Good luck. May the best team win. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for having me on. Good night. Thank you. Later.